Hey everybody, this is Scott at the beginning of this week's episode just to welcome you and say hi and say this is an Enneagram 4 episode and I'm really excited for you all to listen to this. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I started an Enneagram account called Enneagram Reposts and it was an opportunity for me to just post Enneagram stuff from Instagram (laughs) mostly in order to draw attention to no small thing. And so I've been doing that for a while. It was an experiment. I would say a curious experiment and a valid experiment. I've had some really good interactions with people over the last year or so. I I, I pretty much started this account about this time last year and now have 16.5 thousand followers. I don't exactly know what that means, but it has been an awesome opportunity for me to get to know some really cool Enneagram people. So if you listen to our Enneagram 6 episode, um, on our last Enneagram 6 episode, uh, we interviewed a guy named Ben, uh, who we call the wizard. (laughs) And I made that connection over through Enneagram reposts. Um, This week we are interviewing a new friend of ours named Zach Griffin, and he runs an Enneagram account called, on Instagram, called Enneagram for Confessions. And... I had never met Zach up until this interview, and it was just so fun to spend time with him, especially since uh, we have this connection about being essentially the same age and growing up in the same era. So there was this cool connection of Zach and I vibing from just growing up in the 80s and in this evangelical subculture, Christian subculture, and then obviously Mace and Zach both being fours. So this was a very, very fun and interesting organic interview. I Having, obviously, if you've listened to No Small Thing, um, you know that one of my greatest joys is just asking a question and having Mace deep dive their history and their emotions and their interior world. And Zach was similar. We asked a question at the beginning and... Zach, in sort of a a really beautiful, classic Enneagram 4 fashion, just started at the beginning, like age 5, and um, gives us uh, his whole history. So, uh, of of like essentially discovering their spirituality and becoming or or realizing they're an Enneagram 4. So, this is an awesome episode, especially if you're an Enneagram 4 or a person interested in understanding 4s a bit more. What I love is, and I want to prep you for this, is essentially for the first hour we get Zach's backstory and history, and by the time the second half of this episode comes along, you have all of the backstory necessary to really appreciate where Zach is now currently in terms of his own life, um, his spirituality, the way he approaches uh, family, friends, uh, art, all all that stuff. And then there's some really great interactions between Zach and Mace in the second half of this episode. But um, as we were, as Mace and I were both listening at the beginning, we were like, we were really appreciating the nuance and the detail in terms of uh, um, Zach's narrative. So I hope you can really um, sit back and just enjoy getting to know this really great person. And, um, the, the insights that come from um, getting to spend time with an Enneagram 4. I mean, that's what we're all about, right? A long, meandering, no small thing, curious conversation. So uh, I'm already uh, uh, meandering a little bit too much probably right now. 
But welcome to the conversation. So excited uh, for this new chapter, No Small Thing, in terms of getting to know other folks on Instagram and out there in the world who are also producing Enneagram content. Um, we're so grateful for you listening, and we really hope you enjoy this interview with Zach. So we are on the Zoom in the house here with Zach. Um, Zach, you are calling from Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte. North Carolina. I was, in the blank. I was gonna say North Carolina, but then I got really worried I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna offend him. <laughs> <laughs> I got scared. Um, okay, so we were just thinking it would before we even started recording, you were sharing a bit of this, but um for the audience, um kind of what your journey with the Enneagram has been um, when you first discovered it and kind of what that's been like for you. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, I would have to go back um, to my, the earlier points in my life to kind of paint the picture leading up to the discovery of the Enneagram. Yes. Um, I don't know if I should start by saying I'm a four. I guess we, could, we can start by saying I'm a four <laughs> with a five wing. Um, and the reason I know that, that I'm not a three wing is because I always tell people like, I, I'm really not, I have no competitive bone in my body. Like I just don't care. And yeah. like, I don't, you know, like I just, um, I care more about reading books than like how I look like when I dress and go out in places like that. So, <laughs> so I'm a four <laughs> with a five wing. Um, so I think the, one of the earlier, the earliest parts of my life that really affected that, um, Cause that's kind of like the question I always have with people is like, do you think it's um, stuff that happens to you that kind of like pushes you in the direction of the Enneagram number that you become, or is it just like, you know, just it's how you turned out. And for me, I, for me, I always have to say like when I was five, my parents split. And when that happened, it instilled in me, that true love never lasts, hmm. you know? And so, you know, my world came crashing down. And so I always found myself kind of holding myself back from giving myself a hundred percent because I hmm. didn't, I didn't want to be hurt like that again. And so um, a lot of life for me became like withdrawal away from situations and people um, because, hey, true love doesn't last, you know, um, why should I invest myself on the, in, in this if it's, if it's, you know, all going to fall apart in the end anyway? And so that kind of became um, kind of like the, the way, you know, the glasses that I saw life through. Um, and on top of that, when my parents split, um, my grandma, who is like your typical you know, Southern grandma who like cooks all the time and there's always food at her house and there's always like cakes and pies just sitting around, even though nobody's was coming over, you know? <laughs> and so like for her, like the way that she showed love was like through cooking. And so, um, at a young age, um, I think that was the way that she just showed love and was like, Hey, I know you're hurting. So here <laughs> have a piece of cake, you know, or here mm -hmm. have, have some pie. chicken and dumplings or yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, like, at an early age, too, that instilled in me, like, this, um, 
you know, the, the anxiety of when I feel like, um, I, you know, the world is falling apart or I'm not loved. Like I can turn to food Hmm. because from an early age, food became kind of like the, the medicine Hmm. uh, for the, you know, masking the pain pain that I felt inside. Um, And so I kind of went through life in that. Um, So I, because of that, you know, one of the, the uh, effects of masking my pain with food is that I became like overweight as a child. And so in elementary school and middle school, and even into high school, you know, I was this, you know, overweight kid who, um, you know, hid myself in books. Um, and I, I'm an only child as well. So while I was growing up, you know, when my parents split, there wasn't like a sibling that I could turn to for comfort or anything like that. And so, and I don't know if it's just like a, a, a country North Carolina thing, but, um, and it's probably an eighties thing. Cause this was in like the mid eighties when this was going on when nobody cared about their kids. Like they do now, <laughs> like I would go out in the woods, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, like the whole day by myself mm-hmm. and my, you know, mm-hmm. my parent, my, my parents wouldn't worry about me. My grandma and grandpa, they wouldn't worry about me. It was just kind of like, Hey, I'm going outside. And like thinking about it now, like I have a, I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old and like, I would never let either of them just go out in the woods yeah. for eight hours at a time. You know, you Same. Know, like, Isn't that funny? I feel like it is an eighties vibe. Like I was always in the woods just, yeah. and then my dad would whistle for dinner yeah. you know, when I'd come yeah. home. Yeah. Exactly. It was the same type of thing. <laughs> this is like we go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I listened to a podcast that was kind of talking about this and that there's this bigger fear of like letting your kids go in the woods, but like it's actually more safe today. Yeah. I bet. Like it's safer today for your kids to go and be in the woods and like, like safety That's statistics awesome. are all down, but it's like, there's a bigger general media fear. Mm-hmm. Like we feel more fear, even though, statistically that's not real which is really interesting that is that's really really interesting yeah so like i would i would i would go spend just the whole day like in the woods and like i said we lived in in the country and we lived on a road where like everybody on the road was related so like it was like cousins and like great aunts and stuff like that and so you know, nobody ever questioned this little six-year-old walking through their yard and, you know, going out in their woods and stuff like that. And um, so I think that's where, like, for me, there's this, like, love of nature because it was I, – I had this conversation when I when I interviewed on my podcast, um, Caitlin Curtis, about trees where it's, like, I, I have this, like, literal um, affection with trees because it – I, when I see a tree, it's like the branches, you know, with their arms open to me is like welcoming me, welcoming me home hmm. or hmm. like, you know, providing a safe place for me. Cause as a kid who had just gone through the parent split and, um, it was just kind of like, that's where I found home Yeah, from, from like five years old throughout, even like high school, I was still hanging out in the woods. Um, and so in high school, um, because I was big, or let's start in middle school, okay. because I okay. was big. Let me just pause for a quick second and say this is so fantastic because this is the exact type of thing we like to do. And it does yes. feel familiar because when we do journeys, you're so thorough. <laughs> and and having posted <laughs> so, no, it's real. so many I love it. four memes now, it's like kind of a classic four meme of like, 
um, why did you choose to do this today? And the four goes, it all started when I was three years old. You know? <laughs> there, there is not, there is no simple yeah. answer. I, I love it. And, 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 and I, I just, I love it. Yeah. No, it's so good. I also would just like to note that I also love trees yeah. and I'm like, they're uh. one of my favorite. They are, they are like home. They're like hugging. <laughs> yeah. It's like their branches are like literally spread out, welcoming me, embracing me. Like I love I, when I see a tree, I'm just like, Thank you. My, my wife, my wife is a one, by the way. And she's always just kind of looks at me with like the side eye of like, what is going what's, on here? What's going on right now? Oh, yeah. oh, you're just like rolling their eyes. You're just doing your four thing over there, aren't you? Uh, okay. Middle school. So, yeah. yeah. So middle school, because I was so big. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the good things is I, I hit my growth spurt before other um, kids in, in middle school. And so at least I was like a head taller than other people, but I was still this big kid. Like I probably still weighed like 240 or 250 mm. in like mm. middle school in like mm. seventh grade. And so um, my mom, she talked me into going to go play football, mm. which I liked watching football, but I didn't care about football. What I actually wanted to do was be in band. Mm. But my mom somehow, she, she told me, she, she lied to me, if we're <laughs> honest. She lied to me and said that you can't be in football and band at the same time. And you I was like, been. oh, yeah, I could have been, yeah. Lying is I, a good I just, You know, technique. I just wouldn't have had to, you know, I wouldn't have been in the band on like Fridays, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And so I can't remember exactly how, but for, I, maybe it was like the whole complex of like, I just wanted to please her, you know, since she was like, you know, one of the ones who broke my heart, <laughs> you know, yeah. that yeah. whole thing. Oh. You know, yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to go down that rabbit trail right now, but, <laughs> but placeholder for it, that rabbit trail later. Yes. Yeah. Cause there is a thing with her, with, with my mom and see my dad, my dad um, worked all the time. Mm. And I think my dad was, if, you know, if I could type him, would be a three because he always cared what he looked like. He always mm. wanted to outdo everybody. Mm. Um, he was the manager of, uh, this appliance store, you know, he always wanted to win the awards. It was like three piece suit. He had like a Cadillac hmm. whenever we would go places and I would turn the music up. He would like turn the music down because he didn't want people to judge him. And so for me, that's like part of it where I was like, I know, I know that's why I'm not a three either. Cause I'm like, I just don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> but so like he worked all the time. And I'm not saying like he wasn't a good dad, but he just worked all the time. And he worked like an hour away on like the other side of Charlotte. And so we, you know, we, we did stuff. Um, I have great memories of us doing like fun stuff, but it was just like few and far between because he was just always constantly working. And then there was like the hour drive back home. And by that time it was like time to go to bed and stuff. But my mom, on the other hand, it was like, once they got divorced, like she moved like an hour away and then I saw her like every other weekend. Hmm. And then every time when I would go see her, it was kind of like this awkward, like, why am I here? Hmm. Like, I'm not having any fun kind of a deal. Hmm. Um, so there, there was this kind of like wall put up between, you know, her and I, which, you know, that's probably something more for me and a therapist to talk about. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, somehow that let maybe that had something to do with me. Uh, choosing football over music. Um, and so in like eighth grade and seventh grade, sorry, um, 
and you know, this was back, we had like a small middle school, so there was no tryouts, but like, I, I was so big that I started on like the offensive line from like day one. And I didn't know what I was doing, you know, basically I was just so big. The coaches were like, just stand here and don't let anybody get past you. Yeah. And that's all I had to do. Like, you know, I could just throw people down and cause these kids were little in seventh grade. Yeah. And so, um, in that I ended up finding like that family Hmm. aspect through sports, you know, that like these guys were like my brothers that I never had the siblings that I never had. There's that uh, respect for each other, you know, especially like if you do good at what you do, you know, people respect you and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so um, I really began finding a lot of, you know, life in that. And, uh, you know, like uh, it felt like a home, too. And so I played seventh grade and then going into eighth grade. um, I played again in eighth grade and in eighth grade, I. I got to the point of like, I was so good that like, I just never left the field. Like I played literally every, everything like Mm -hmm. offense, defense, Mm -hmm. kickoff, kick, return, punt, punt, return. So like I came out for like one play a game, maybe just to get some water or something like that. Wow. But something happened in eighth grade where, and this was, um, this was probably like 1994, which, um, you know, the grunge scene was in full effect, you know, Nirvana, Soundgarden, you know, you guys are from Seattle, like mm-hmm. Pearl Jam and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I remember coming back from summer break and I had some friends um, in seventh grade. And when they, when we, and I didn't see them over the summer, but when we came back from seventh grade into eighth grade, they, their hair had gotten long and they were wearing like, you know, the, the plaid shirts and stuff and the ripped up jeans and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was just something about that look because I you know I I never cared about what I looked like I was just like threw on jeans and like a t-shirt or like you know sports shirt or something like that to kind of fit in with the sports crowd that I was supposed to be a part of (laughs) but when I saw that group it was this I don't know it was just something in me like that that's who I want to be like Mm. you know that's who I want to be friends with Mm. but in the classic you know like the, the 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 school society you can't be a jock and be friends with like the rock and roll kind of crowd. At least that's how it was in my, at at my school. So those were kind of like opposed to each other. Hmm. And so after the football season, I decided that I wanted to go be a part of that crowd. And so I remember I I quit football. I just Hmm. quit. Like I didn't play after that. And I started hanging out with that crowd and in like eighth grade, going into ninth grade is when I really um, started like experimenting with drugs and like alcohol mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I and it was kind of like the same thing with football. Like I found within that new group, mm-hmm. like that familial bond that I had. And uh, there was one point where they started a band and, you know, they didn't have a bass player because no nobody wants to play bass, you know. Yeah. And so, like, they were like, hey, if you learn how to play bass, you can be a part of our band. And I was like, heck, yeah. And so, like, I I remember I went out and bought this cheap bass from, like, our local music store here in town. And um, I went, I took some lessons. And, you know, I started playing bass. And I became part of the band, which was like, oh, I'm part of the band now. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. And something happened going into ninth grade. Um. 
you know, like I had like the total look, like I had hair down to my shoulders, um, you know, and I've never washed it. I think I went like two weeks at a time without washing it, you know, and I had like, you know, the total look or whatever. And um, something happened in ninth grade. I can't even remember what, but it was like, it was kind of like an overnight thing of like, overnight, everybody in that group that I was a part of just decided that I wasn't going to be a part of the group anymore. Dang. And yeah, it's I, like, I, I've always been like a teddy bear kind of guy. Like I, I don't talk junk. I hate talking junk. I'm, you know, even when they would pick on, you know, other kids, I would be, I would be like, I'm not picking on people, you know? Cause yeah, I think because growing up before that, I was the, I was the one who was being bullied, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had that perspective. And so it was almost like overnight, um, I got kicked out of the group and I became like the brunt of their bullying because I was still like overweight, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I found myself in ninth grade, you know, your first year of high school, like friendless, you know, cause mm-hmm. I, the, the football players were mad at me because I quit football. Yeah. And then here are the people that I had quit football for, they had yeah. just decided that I wasn't going to be a part of the group either. And so, um, going into ninth grade and the whole year of ninth grade was just kind of like a year of depression and a year of just kind of like despair for me. Mm -hmm. Um, where I started, you know, just doing more drugs and drinking and stuff like that, just to, um, you know, medicate, you know, just to medicate the feeling of this despair because it kind of reinforced itself of like, here's five-year-old Zach whose parents got divorced and they left or, you know, they split up, like the abandonment, you know, and then it's happening all over again. You know, like here I am in eighth grade now, ninth grade, the same thing's happening again. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just going to, you know, pull away from everything, go into my own interior world, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it was really interesting because um, I had a friend that was really close to me and, and I met, I had met him in second grade and we had, it was kind of one of those friends that like comes in and out of the picture every once in a while. And so the summer of eighth grade, we were in the same grade, the summer of eighth grade, he had gone to this like charismatic uh, Pentecostal Christian camp and had gotten like saved. <laughs> and so the whole uh, ninth grade school year, I was like his, witnessing project you know yeah and so like yeah. every day was like <laughs> every day was like hey like you got to come to this camp uh you gotta you gotta come to this camp and so like for the first um Ooh, we put so much like, pressure on these young people to like convert yeah. their friends oh for sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know yeah I felt I felt so much pressure in high school to to invite all my friends to church and young life. And They're gonna go to hell if I didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And 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 their blood's gonna be on your hands. Yeah. Yes. So it's like, <laughs> God. Yeah. So like <laughs> we, the first uh, maybe from like August to like April of that school, of ninth grade was just like a constant barragement of like, hey, you're gonna come to this camp. You know, you'll like it, and. Finally, he wore me down to the point of like in in May. um, It was kind of like two things, I think. And it's really funny thinking back on it. Like, I think, number one, he wore me down because it was the constant like, hey, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, finally, dude, if you shut up, I'll come to your stupid little camp. (laughs) But the the other way that he got me was like, I've always been like a supernatural kind of like Mm -hmm. 
person. Like yeah. he, and he knew that cause he and I would used to go do like ghost hunts, quote unquote, you know, like we would just go looking for ghosts and then we would go looking for Bigfoot or we would go yes. looking for UFOs and stuff like that. And so like <laughs> one of the ways that he got me to go to this camp too was he was like, dude, like people get prayed for and they fall down and like hit their head on stuff and they don't bleed and like they get up and like they don't feel any pain, you know, like like falling out like in the Pentecostal church. Oh, I, I was like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute, people do that. And then he was like, yeah, man. And then like, then he went into like the whole tongues, speaking in tongues thing. He was like, they pr- they pray for you, and then you just start speaking in this unknown language. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, you lying, you know, kind yeah, of a yeah. thing like that. <laughs> I gotta see. This. So I think it was like those two things that like got me to go. Was like, mm. I just want to go see how crazy this is and see if it's real. Maybe that's the five wing in me, like curious. Investigate there. this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I remember the night before um, going to this camp. Um, Cause I didn't know anybody else at, I just knew this one guy and um, I can still remember it. Like yesterday, I remember I was in my bedroom and I was looking down at the floor and I, I, I said out loud, like, I'm not changing for anybody. Like I, I'm going to stay who I am. I'm not changing for anybody. And so with that, like, I just kind of packed my bags and went to bed. And um, the next day we went to this camp and I remember the first thing that like jumped out of me was um, the acceptance hmm. that I received from these teenagers who were my age, who didn't look anything like me. You know, these were like clean cut, you know, mm-hmm. Christian kids. Yeah. Here I was like had hair down to my shoulders. Like I said, never washed it. You're like the emo grungy kid that showed yeah. up to evangelical kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was funny because like the thing that got me was like nobody judged me. Yeah on any of that, you know? And so it was like, I was, I was expecting to be like the black sheep and kind of a deal like that. And that was kind of like from day one of like, whoa, these people like actually care about me and I don't have to do anything Mm. to get that. You know, like I don't, I don't have to play guitar. I don't have to like play football. I don't have to do anything to gain these people's, you know, like approval or, or friendship, you know? And so that was kind of like the first thing. And I remember the first night there, um, I sat in the back by myself because like I said, I've always been the kind of person that's like non-judgmental. Like you can do what you want to do. That's fine. Just don't bother. Just don't make me do it if I don't want to do it, you know? So I was like, these people can do their crazy stuff. Like I'll <laughs> sit in the back here. I'm just biding my time. It's only like a six day camp, you know? And so um, the first night I sat in the back, you know, I didn't sing any songs, didn't, I don't, I don't know if I paid attention to the message or anything. And, um, after that we went back to our, we had these little cabins on this little campground and again, like nobody judged me and like each cabin had like seven or eight guys in it or, you know, whoever guys, girls, whatever, you know? And (laughs) so like, I remember sitting there after the first night and like, wow, these people are still like open and, uh, you know, welcoming, even if I didn't participate in what they did, you know, and that was, it was kind of like, I, I, looking back, like it kind of like was like a little trickle of life. I felt like this is really like the five in me, maybe the five wing was like, Hmm, this is interesting. Like <laughs> <laughs> kind of like took a little note, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so 
the next night is like um, the night that changed my life. And it's one of those things where like, I can't, I can't explain it and I can't describe it, but I've come to know it's like a mystical experience. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really funny because like the second night, and and this is how I always tell people, if you want to know, like if God has a sense of humor, it's like my story, it's like proves God has a sense of humor. Because this was uh, 1996 at this point. So I was 15 years old. And that night I decided I was going to sit with my cabin mates and they sat on the second row. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll sit with you guys. And <laughs> as was as was big in um, 90s ministry, I don't know if it was across the board church ministry, but it was big in like the, the charismatic Pentecostal world it was like mimes. Oh. I don't know if you've <laughs> seen that before. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mine. <laughs> I was not expecting I'm trying that. to think back because, yes. I mean, I was steeped in <laughs> yes. church camp. So I'm just trying to like, did I see some mimes? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Interesting. So, and it gets better. Huh. It gets so okay. much better. So this, this, this mime team came, came to this camp. <laughs> what a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you YouTube it or yeah. Google it, I'm sure you can find. Yeah, something. wow, I'm, I um, will be YouTubing this later. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> just do like okay, well, okay. So, um, and the part that gets funnier is they come out these mime, this mime team and they got the whole mime gig going on, like all blacked out yeah. clothes with the white faces with the paint, you know, yeah. like the red lips and everything. And they they start doing. Um, like live action to songs, right? And so what they're doing, the song came on and it was Carmen. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you know Carmen. No, I, I, I played makes, some Carmen re- recently. Which song was it? <laughs> it was um, um, Champion. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard Carmen's Champion? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, which makes the story even funnier and like this, this, the, the humor Remember this was God the guy that did like, that, uh, the, um, we need God in America again. We need God in oh, America, God me, yes. in America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting here watching this and it's the most cheesiest thing you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. the whole premise of the song is about Jesus and Satan like having a boxing match and it's, 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 uh, it's made to look like Rocky. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a video and they're too. Miming yeah. this? They're, yes. Yeah. And you know, yes, it's, and so I'm sitting here like, <laughs> okay. Uh, like, this is interesting. This stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's why with that go Google, like, uh, cause I'm sure there's like either go Google, like the Carmen song champion or Google, like mime team champion. Carmen champion. It's got, it's cause there's gotta be a video of somebody doing it. And so what, what happened was, and this is where like the, 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 the humor of God comes into play with like the, the mystery of God and the part that I just can't explain. Um, in the song, there's a part where like the ending of the song, um, Satan knocks down Jesus. And it just so happens that um, the referee is God and so in like the real boxing world, you know, you count from one to 10. And then if, you know, you don't get up at 10, you're out. Well, in, in this song, you know, God is the referee and he starts by counting from 10 down to one. Right. And so, you know, <laughs> he starts counting and it's all dramatic. Yep. And when it gets to one, 
like Jesus, you know, rises up off the mat, which is, you know, supposed to symbolize like resurrection and rising from the dead and stuff. And so this is the part that's crazy for me. Um, I can't explain it. Um, I wasn't looking for it. I, you know, I didn't want to be there. It was this kind of like when it got to one and when Jesus um, rose, the guy who was playing Jesus was like a friend of mine at the time when he like rose up. The best way I can describe it was it was like a bolt of lightning struck my heart. Hmm. And in that moment, I saw like the beauty of God. Wow. You know, just like it was like, I mean, it was kind of like, I don't, I don't know if we want to say like a Paul kind of, well, it was kind of like an experience where like all of my glasses of how I viewed the world fell off for a moment. Hmm. And it was like, I realized like I was loved by God, you know, and I was all, you know, I've, I've always been loved by God. And it was just kind of one of those moments where in that instance, it was, I remember thinking like, this is, this is it. Like, this is what is worth everything. Like, this is what is worth dying for. This is what is worth living for. And after that happened, like I kind of like zoned out. Like I don't remember any of the worship. I don't remember any of the preaching because I was having this conversation with God the whole time of like, what's going on? What do I need to do now? Kind of, kind of a deal, you know? Mm -hmm. And from that point, there was like, that became still to this day, like my anchor point in life. Um, and it's really hard for me to put words on it because I can't really describe what what happened. You know, it doesn't make yeah. any sense. It was to a stupid Carmen song and it was a, to a mimes dancing around on the stage. Yeah. Then all of a sudden here I am, like I have this, you know, awakening experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so after that. I wanted to um, say like for fours, I mean, I want to say, I want to say it's a, there's, there's a supernatural element. There's a mystic element to it, but also. In, in, in the topic of fours, it's like if fours can make uh, a spiritual experience out of this raw material of mimes and a weird <laughs> Carmen song, <laughs> fours are like, I'll, I'll make something out of this. Yeah. <laughs> that Dude, that's so, I've never thought about yeah. it that way. <laughs> it's just, I'll just say this too. This is interesting. I mean, it brings up a lot in my own journey. And I also had like a huge conversion awakening moment at an evangelical Christian camp. My first time that I went like about around that age, too, it was, right? it yeah. was going into seventh grade. So a little yeah. younger, but like it, it did change everything for me. It was like mm-hmm. a paradigm shift. And it was like one moment, this image of like, it was cheesy. It was this image of let, like you can just let go of the rope and you won't be alone. Like Jesus is there. And it was this cheesy image, but like something struck lightning bolt to the heart. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. fun to to hear that. And, and I, I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things too, because I have friends who really struggle with you know the faith, and I always kind of have that guilt of like, you know, like I had this moment. Like I have a lot of friends who the like I must say, come. do I know God? I don't know. You know, like because I because they you know I never had that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and not and I always felt that guilt of like. You know, and that's why, like, I kind of like downplayed it. I, don't, I didn't really talk about it a lot because I didn't want people to, to feel bad, you know. But it's like because like, I was just like, moments. oh, I had this, cra- I had this crazy <laughs> moment with God. You didn't have one, like. It's <laughs> <laughs> so relatable. It's so relatable. <laughs> and so after that, like, I, I mean, 
naturally I just jump like straight into um like ministry like church ministry going to church mm-hmm. like a hundred percent like um and it's funny I forgot to mention like when my because fr- I was playing bass but then when my friends like kicked me out of the group I started playing guitar because I was like I'm gonna get better than all of them who kicked me out and then I'm just going to show them out one day. But then like, you know, I didn't care about any of that. Like once I had that experience. And so, um, like 16 or 17, I like started like leading worship at the church that I was going at and stuff like that. Um, I got really super involved in ministry and I always say like, um, I had that moment of like just clarity where like I, I knew who I was in, in reference to like as a child of God and like my relation to God. And it was kind of like one of those moments where like um, I knew that like the love of God is all encompassing, you know, like there's just, you know, no picking and choosing. It's just like everything, you know, like every like uh, like panentheism is like a word I like to use now. Like, you know, God is in everything, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had, I didn't, I didn't know the words for it, obviously yeah. then, but it, in that moment it you was like, it. yeah, like I would look at something and be like, yeah, I see God in that. And I see God in that. And it was kind of like, but when I started going to church, um, nobody else talked like that in trouble. You'd be in trouble yeah. for saying God isn't everything. You'd be like, Oh, yeah. are you, are you new Especially age? back then? Yeah. yeah. Cause they, they equate like that with pantheism, you yeah. know, like, and I must think God is everything. I'm just saying God's in everything. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. so like, um, for the next probably like five or six years, like I just went like full force into that. You know, like I said, it was like an assembly of God. Like that's the denomination of the church yeah. that most of the people went to. So naturally that's where I went. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there was a lot of certitudes, a lot of like, you know, ABC doctrine, you know, and if you don't believe any, if you take one thing out of it, yep. you're, you, you can't come, you're, you don't belong, you're a heretic or whatever. Yep. 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 And so I think that's <laughs> where this. like, <laughs> we know this world. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I'm, I'm a social four. And so I think where a, a lot of that plays into it is like, I didn't want to let the crowd down mm-hmm. because I, because I had been kicked, you know, I have, I had lost the relationship with my parents and then I had been kicked out of my uh, band friends, you know, yeah. group. And like, here I am again, like, I don't want to be kicked out of another group, you yeah. know? So I'm just, I'm just going to go with the flow, you know, even though everything that I feel and, and I have these, um, you know, experiences with God that doesn't match anything this church is talking about, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. like I, I, the, 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 the social, four in me just didn't want to lose, you know, a group of people again, you know, cause I, you know, I felt like I had once again found a safe place and found a place where at least, you know, people accepted me and I was a part of a family. Um, yeah. and so from that, um, over time, I think wearing, wearing that facade kind of just slowly started to, started to wear away at me. Mm-hmm. Because there was this time, um, this, you know, of like, like I said, there would be times where like I would have these experiences with God, you know, in my private time or whatever, quiet time. But then when I would go to church, it was really like this judgmental God who is, you know, kicks some people out, keeps some people in, 
you know, who's really, you know, straight by the book and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so over time, um, I think a lot of that started to crack on me. Yeah. And, um, and that's when a lot of my like rewiring started happening was just like, because that's where the, the often the authenticity or the authentic part of the four started coming out like, of like, can only do this for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how like, you know, at some, and early on in, the, in my Enneagram, you know, journey, I, th- I was like, am I a nine or am I a four? Cause there was that kind of like, I could be a nine, I could be a four. Yeah. And the thing that helped me come to the realization is, is like authenticity uh, takes precedent over peace for me. Like I would rather be authentic at the cost of keeping the peace yeah. mm-hmm. than yeah. like, you know, being peaceful. And I think that's ultimately, you know, what led to just the, the rewiring of my mind, I call it, or the rewiring of my faith, you mm-hmm. know, um, cause this was probably, when was this, this started happening maybe like 10 years ago now or so. Like your early thirties. Yeah. Like my yeah. early thirties. Like I just started having these realizations of like, is this really right? You know? And then at that point too, I started reading, um, I forget who it was exactly. Um, it may have been because, you know, I was a worship leader. And so there was this other uh, worship leader that I like to follow called Jason Upton. I don't know if you've mm. ever heard of him. I don't think so. He's he's like a, he's like a charismatic kind of like worship okay. leader. And uh, he's kind of big in that circle. But he has started uh, retweeting um, a guy named Brian Zond. Mm. Which I don't know if you've heard mm. of him now. Um, I wish. Yeah. Um, but he's a pastor and a church in like outside of Kansas city. Okay. And, um, he started just retweeting stuff that he was mm-hmm. saying. And it was kind of one of those things of like, and Brian Zahn's actually a four as well. Okay. Um, and so it was like reading stuff that my heart has always said or known or felt, yeah. but it was like the first time I've ever seen anybody put it out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, not saying that nobody ever had, but it was just the first time that I think I'd ever seen it because in the group that I was a part of, it was kind of like toe the party line mm-hmm. or else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so when that started happening, it was just kind of like the rabbit hole experience for me. Um, and it was, it was really funny actually, cause um, there's this book that really um, like kicked the doors open for me. It was, it's the book by Dallas Willard called oh, yeah. the divine conspiracy. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I, I know that one. And yeah. what's really funny is um, like three or four years before like my re- rewiring started, I tried to read it mm. and I couldn't because mm. it was just so like, this is so boring. Like I just <laughs> don't get it. Like, so I got like a chapter into it and just put it down. Mm. And then, so Brian Zahn had talked about it. And so I was like, let me give it another try. And so like, I read it again and it was like mind blowing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I think it's just one of those things. Like I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's sometimes you're just not you're ready just, you gotta have where your you are. You're just not ready mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I read this and, I, and I've heard other people like use the phrase from it. Like that, that book is like a gateway drug. So like the, the totally. kind of spirituality. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's a little bit more intellectual too, you know? So yeah, that, yeah, totally a gateway. Yeah. yeah. 
So like I started reading him and then the people that he would talk about, I started reading them mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like a Uh-oh, rabbit trail experience for yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing was, it was like everything they had talked about was stuff that I had been experiencing for like 10 years. Right. But it was like, whenever I would try to talk about it, either people would write me off or tell me I couldn't think like that, or that was wrong to feel that way or think that way. And so you can imagine like the relief that I felt that was like, whoa, here's this whole, like, I I remember talking to some friends who were were kind of on the journey with me. And I'm like, dude, this book was written in like 1994. Like, how am I just now hearing about this? They don't want you to hear about it. They don't want you to hear about it. That's true. (laughs) Do you you remember that, um, just to go back to the 90s, you remember that Blind Melon video where the girl is in the Bumblebee outfit? Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's what this is like. And then. She she she's doing her tap dancing and she's trying to figure out where she belongs and nobody's and then she finds all these other bees at the end <laughs> and they're yeah. all dancing awkwardly together. That's exactly yeah. what it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I remember having those like, dude, this book was written in like 1973. That was yeah. 30 years ago. How have I never heard of this? Like, how has <laughs> nobody ever told me about this? You know, um, they just so want you to pay then, attention to the mimes. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes on the mimes. Eyes on the mimes. <laughs> And so that led me to kind of like the, you know, I guess you could call it like the, uh, the deconstruction period yeah, of like, basically like, you know, what, what needs to stay, like what can stay and what needs to go. That's just mm-hmm. like garbage, you know, just, mm-hmm. just kind of garbage. And so I got to that point, um, to where I think it was like in the middle of that. So like five years ago, I found myself at this kind of like split in the road where I had to make the decision. Um, Am I going to be true to myself and how I've always felt and the way that I feel now about God and, you know, theology and stuff like that? Or am I going to continue just to toe the party line and in doing so just continue to, you know, rip myself in half anyway, you know? And so there was so much, and I think this is where like the the uh, social part of my you know my enneagram comes into play is like there was so much tension there that I felt like you know it was like I was in like a, a tug of war where there was this one side pulling me this way and the other side pulling me this way and it was like what am I going to do because if I keep fighting this I'm just going to be ripped in half mm-hmm. and so what I what I started to do was like now this was probably like three years ago um i was in such a place of despair i don't know if that would be a good word but like turmoil of anxiety mm-hmm. um because if i went this way like people that had a big impact in my life you know mentors and like pastors and leaders i knew that i was i was going to get you know blackballed or black yeah. flagged you know yeah. yeah and so it was just like the pain of, of knowing that everybody thinks that I'm this heretic Mm. when inside, like I know like who I am with God, you know? Yeah. And it's, Um, and it's like powerful and you want them to be able to see how much it is to you. But you're talking like two different languages. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so like it came to a point where I had gotten to a in such despair. And it was like, it was like, I I call it like the perfect, like the cocktail 
of yeah. like pain and despair of like it was kind of like a hurricane cocktail of like mm, a despair <clears throat> cocktail yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> of like my parents splitting you know my friends kicking me out all of that still in my brain and that you know the way that I dealt with that of like am I really going to open myself up to relationships if all I'm going to do is get kicked out anyway mm. that with like past mistakes that I've made you know, because guilt is like guilt and shame. There's that whole thing of like, you did this. You're such a piece of crap. So you much know? shame. <laughs> yeah. So there was that. There was the parents splitting, you know, with the whole like love's not real. Don't mm. give yourself away because you're just going to be hurt with like um, the shame of all your past mistakes. Yeah. And then that mixed with, well, here you are. You're about to lose everything you've ever known it, it the, you know uh church wise the family you, know, you the, found like you've had to fight yeah. for yeah. this family mm-hmm. and so basically what i did i started um like just drinking alcohol like to medicate it to medicate yeah. the pain because it was just such it was just such a hopeless feeling mm-hmm. and i remember like having conversations of, with god of like like why like why because there'd be times when i would just say like why did you, why did you let that happen at that camp? Like yeah. I was much happier before, before. I knew you, you know, like yeah. I was much happier, you know, that I thought I was much happier yeah. before any of this happened. Do you, do you, you ever know, listen? Have you Dave ever, yeah, I know. <laughs> Have you ever listened to Dave Bazan? No, I haven't. Oh, I guess I got to send you these albums. You gotta listen to Dave Bazan. Like, I think he's a, <laughs> yeah. he's our age. He's an Enneagram for, and he, he, he was like a really kind of hipster Christian rock guy up here and then sort of had a breakup album with God and uh, beautifully articulates this journey in his music. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, he has it. he has one song called um, In Stitches and it's, uh, it's, it's a song that sort of like implies that God has been surgically removed from his body, but he keeps like rubbing his hands on the stitches and remembering. And oh yeah, he says, uh, the crew has killed the captain, but they can still hear his voice. And it's just like, so sad <sighs> and longing and this wrestling. Yeah. yeah. As you're talking, I'm like, Oh, is Dave is on the soundtrack? <laughs> I know it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. it is. I just don't yeah. know yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, I had this, that kind of like, why can't my life just be an easy Christian life? Like, why do I have to feel, why do I have to feel all this? And why do I have to like, you know, you love sense it all this? It. You love yeah. it and yes. hate it. <laughs> and so, I mean, like ultimately it got to the point of like, um, I was like at that point <clears throat> I would, I would start drinking at like nine or 10 o'clock every morning at work. Yeah. Right. So like I was and like by 12 o'clock, I would just be, completely gone. Um, and, and where were you working yeah. at the time? It was at a sheet metal shop. Okay. So, so did you so, like have it like in a thermos or something? No, see, it was, it was, a, it was a tiny kind of a sheet metal shop, like a family owned business. Yeah. And so there was only like 10 of us in there. And yeah. I worked in a part like all by myself that had like a back door. And so like, I would just hide it like in the bushes in the back of the building. Dang, mm. dang. So I that's, would just go out dark. there to, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so like um by like 12 o'clock it would just be like no feeling whatsoever yeah, yeah. you know and it was like i like i liked that zach you know like yeah. i liked the one because then i could feel however i wanted to about right. anything and not have to worry about how i look to people and stuff mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and the only negative part obviously is about that is like um it was just destroying my 
<laughs> my life. Liver. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> physically and emotionally. And then like the, the, the family part of it, you yeah. know, yeah. like, yeah, I bet. um, there would be times like the, the biggest time, probably the, the one that ended up like, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was on like, I was probably on, I may have been on like a, a four week, just straight up every day. Yeah. You know, Cause I discovered, I discovered Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, they have a six pack of IPA that's like eight percent, and you can get it for like four dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, and so like I would go by there and like spending that much, like spending if you bought two six packs, you know that was like nine bucks or something yeah. like that. And so like nine bucks is really easy to hide if you're growing, if you're going grocery shopping for like other stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. So like, so I would just shrewd. go do that and yeah. like hide the beer in my car and then bring the regular groceries in the house and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. my, my wife never knew, you know? And mm-hmm. so, but there were th- the one time that finally broke the camel's back is that I just, um, just gone way overboard one day and it was on a Friday. I remember like, and so, like, I don't even remember driving home. Mm-hmm. And, and I worked in, like, downtown Charlotte. So, mm-hmm. like, somehow I drove home in rush hour traffic. Don't remember any of it. Dang. Um, I ended up parking my car, like, in the grass, Dang. like, next to the driveway. Don't remember any of that. And then when I came in, it was just kind of like, it was kind of like hitting the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, of, like, mm-hmm. just seeing the look on my kids' faces of, like, mm-hmm. who is this? Like mm-hmm. what's going on with daddy? Cause at this point they were like maybe three and, and six or something like that. Both of them. Um, and so I remember going into the bathroom and like just collapsing into the, onto the floor and like just crying and then asking God, like, why, why is this, why is this happening to me? Like, I didn't ask for any of this. Like mm-hmm. I didn't ask for this kind of life, <laughs> you know, why is, you know, cause 10 years ago, I had everything together mm. as a worship leader in this nice, conservative, clean cut church. And now here I am laying on the bathroom floor, crying drunk, you know, like what's, mm. what's why, why is, why is this my life now? And so it was in that moment um, where I just had to come to the, come to grips with like, I have to let go of, of that side of the rope that's pulling me of, you know, the whole like uh, acceptance from my past people, you know, my past mentors and past church and stuff like that. And so that was like, it it was in August, it was two years that I've been sober now. Um, And so these past two years have been like the most freeing um, because I've realized um, even though like when I would get drunk, I would, like the part of me that was able to say stuff. Now I've come yeah. to realize I've, you know, and I've gone through therapy and, and I'm, you know, stuff like that. And I've come to the realization of like, it feels free when you're, you know, drunk to feel that way, but it's even more freer when you're sober mm-hmm. and, and you can say still things. to feel that way. Yeah. And so like, I'm in the place now of like, I, I can't afford and I won't allow you know, people or thoughts, you know, from my past to pull me down anymore Mm. that I've, I've got to be who I am and the way that I feel, you know, the experiences that I have, 
I have to, you know, daily, and it's it's a daily thing, you know, because shame still creeps up, fear still comes in, you know, um, the doubts and stuff still comes in, but I have to make the daily choice of like, it's, it's this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is okay to be who I am. This is who God created me to be. Who I, you know, yeah. Um, and it's kind of like, um, uh. Padraig Otomi, I think that's how you say his last name. I forget. We but love Padraig. He has this, yeah, he has this poem in uh, the Exiles book, the, the mm-hmm. poetry book that he wrote. And I remember when I read it a couple, it might have been a, a year ago now or so. Um, it's the poem that says, like, some shoes aren't made for hiking. You have to leave them behind. Mm-hmm. That hit me like a ton of bricks. It mm-hmm. was like, it's time to take off some shoes that I've been trying to hike in that aren't made for hiking. Like, Mm. you know, that maybe they were good for the first half of the journey, but for this next half of the journey, I'm going to have to take them off and I'm going to have to say, you know, goodbye to that. (laughs) Oh, I think Padraig is like a good, you know, Enneagram four pastor guide. You know, he's like, (laughs) he's like giving another way to remain in some sort of spiritual system while at the same time, sort of leaning into the heart center of the whole experience, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of like where it's, you know, that's where that's kind of been my journey. But like in the middle of that, it was, it was actually like before I started drinking is when I stumbled across the Enneagram. Hmm. Here we go. go. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was like, and you could almost say maybe the Enneagram kind of led me into that despair because it was like, That's real. Yeah. You're like, no. Because <laughs> it was before, like, before this, like, I, you know, I'd always, like I said, towed the party line. I yeah. kept mm-hmm. my feelings in check, mm-hmm. you know, or even, you know, told myself I wasn't allowed to feel that way, um, you know, which kind of just kept killing me inside. Yeah. But when I f- discovered the Enneagram, and I can't even remember how I discovered it. I think this was like three years ago. Um, I don't know if it, it may have been like a, the Liturgist podcast. Mm. Yeah, did it. <laughs> it the just one, are just also another uh, entry drug because, like, another, that's another yeah. thing that's like people they were the say entry drug for me. LGBTQ conversations kind of kick started with the liturgist yeah. for people, not not like us, but like <laughs> other, you know. <laughs> you know this. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That, anyways, that that was a big one for me too. The, the liturgist. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it may have been the liturgist with um, Susan Stabile. Yes, the yeah. one with her and Ian. Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Road back to you, or, and then yeah. what it was? Yeah, called? they yeah, wrote yeah, the yeah. road back to you. Yeah. So like, we're, we're I, I got into. We get really excited. <laughs> road like, back to you. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's when I started getting into that, and like, it was actually funny because like I took the test, and um, when I saw that I was a four, I like I kind of took pride in that because I was like, yeah, there's not many of us. Like I wanted, it's like, the, I guess it's like the whole part. Like I wanted to be a part of the group that was like cool. Yeah. And there wasn't that many of them, you know, <laughs> but like, but then there was that, that the, I guess like the like, five oh, wing in me was like, I, I took like, I took like 10 tests yeah. because I was like, I just gotta be sure. Yeah. I just gotta yeah. be sure. Yeah. And like every time was like a four, but I was like, let me take one more just to be sure. <laughs> so That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, and so like I ended up finally then I started like getting into that and then like it was like that's when I started realizing like you're allowed to have these feelings you know you're allowed to feel this way you know um because up until then I thought that you know I'd been taught that like 
you know, the you know, the Bible says like uh, the heart above the heart is sinful and, right. yeah. you know, will lead you astray yeah. and, you know, don't base your life off feelings. If you base your life off feelings, you're, you know, you're following the devil, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And you say, so um, then you wonder why you were feeling depressed. You know, it's like, the, it's like the whole, the whole <laughs> yeah. Christian of certain part of Christianity, like really from the very beginning turns you in against yourself. It's mm-hmm. like, you can't mm-hmm. trust exactly. anything about yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I like, um, I know it's kind of like different subject, but like, that's what I love about, um, like, well, especially when I read like uh, Thich Nhat Han. Oh yeah, his, yeah. Like his his book on like be here now, like yep. really changed my life. Yep. Um, when he talked about uh, like non judgmental observation and like welcoming all parts of yourself to the conversation or to the yes. table, like even yeah. your fear and your doubt and like your anxieties and stuff, because you know for you know the the Christianity that I had or that was you know uh, taught to me was you've got to be at war with yourself, you know, uh, flesh against spirit war constantly. And I'd find, like you said, like I had found that like that, like was just splintering myself and shattering myself into a million pieces. When I read that Thich Nhat Hanh book of on like, you can, you know, don't be at war with yourself, like welcome, welcome the negativity, welcome Mm -hmm. the, the doubt and welcome Mm -hmm. the, the fear, you know, and that really resonated with me because I felt like for the 15 years of my life, I was just constantly destroying myself, which what does that accomplish? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, that, that accomplishes like depression and despair. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like when I started reading that, that kind of like probably added another level to like my drinking of like, well, now I'm, I'm feeling all this stuff. And like, and you can if use I the tell- drink to indulge the feelings, like yeah. embrace them maybe. Yeah. So like there would be times when like I would be like, you know, why am I feeling this way? And then like, okay, it's it's okay to feel this way. And to the point now of like, um, now I feel like I've come to the place and obviously I'm still like embracing it more of like, um, I can enjoy, it's almost like I've come full circle to like, back to childhood of like, I can enjoy a tree just simply because it's a tree. Mm -hmm. Like there doesn't have to be a reason for me to enjoy the tree. Like I, you know, there, there doesn't have to, I can like let go of like the intellectual part of like trying to figure out why I like this tree. Mm -hmm. And I can just simply be in the moment, like with, (laughs) with the the tree tree. Uh, to those who aren't fours, it might sound really weird, but (laughs) well, that's (laughs) like like (laughs) Macy has these just massive spiritual experiences in these tide pools up here in Seattle. And it's like, I love the tide pools too, but I mean, Macy will come (laughs) out of these things like in tears and, and just wondering about like looking dazed, you know, like what happened out there, you know? (laughs) Uh, Wow. And, And we were listening to a little portion of your podcast before, we started and you were talking about um, Richard Rohr seeing God in a leaf. And you're like, just look at that yes. one little leaf, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's like you're back in the woods and ch- as a child again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's really interesting. I actually never thought about it that way until I just said it. It was like coming full circle where mm-hmm. it's like now, like I can, you know, watch a sunset and just allow. I think the biggest thing is from if I could draw a line, you know, of like my past self or whatever experiences to now is like, there's just been like an allowing, like I, I can allow myself just to enjoy the sunset 
just because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where before, I don't know if it was just because of the church that I went to or, you know, the, the version of Christianity that yeah. was given to me of like, it, I mean, it was, it was really like, you know, evangelical Christianity of like, the only thing that matters is getting people saved so they can go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really like the earth doesn't really matter. Yeah. This is like, just a temporary, this is, earth yeah. is temporary. Yeah. It's yeah. just a stopping point. Yeah. And that was like, that was the, one of the big shifts in my life too. Cause before then, like, I don't, I think I just never allowed myself to see it either because it yeah. was like, why, sh- why does it matter? I should be out here saving souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. So anyway, like, um, I'm at the point now of like, you know, and they say that the Enneagram four, the big part is that the equin- equanimity of it, of like all feelings like, and then bringing them in and creating something beautiful out of it. And I feel like that's, I'm, I'm learning to do that still Yeah. of like no longer, uh, splintering myself or like, um, Go, being at war with myself of just allowing, you know, like uh, if I'm feeling fearful, like, cause in, in Thich Nhat Hanh's book, he talks about like literally talking to the fear and saying like treating the fear, like it's a, a, a crying baby mm. and mm. saying like, Hey, like come that. here, sit in my lap. Like, mm. let me, let me pat you on the back. It's going to be okay. It's, you know, you're safe. Yeah. It's going to be okay. And so like, that's, really helped me because in the times of fear you know or the times of like despair um just welcoming that experience and saying hey i i realize you feel this way you know like i realize there is fear but it's gonna be okay like let's you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know judge you and send you away because in in effect that would just be hurting myself more let's let's actually deal with it let's actually like look at it welcome it, you know, and then maybe look a little deeper. Like, why am I feeling fear? Like, what are the things in this moment that help me to not feel fear or, you know, to, uh, take the feeling of fear and turn it into this, um, what's the word? (laughs) This is where the four part comes in, where I have all these in my, I feel all these things, but I can't say it, you know, it's like, (laughs) got to paint it or something. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. no, like, you know, like uh, turn it into something beautiful, even yeah. though it's quote unquote negative. Yeah. This is, this is what's, this is, uh, I have, I have a lot of thoughts coming up here, but, um, well, first of all, I feel like we should take a, a short break, but, it, but, um, uh, cause I have to go to the bathroom, but, to to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe just, and, and then, and then getting maybe into a discussion because this is like a perfect backdrop now. I feel like any listener now, understand Zach. So it's like yeah. very nice, but, um, I, this is like a compliment to both of you in terms of like my own personal preference and taste. Cause as a five, you know, I like a lot of content and information and there have been times, this is like what it's like to talk to you. And this is like what I feel like it fuels the podcast a little bit. And what was like with you just now, Zach is you make, you make it so easy. You know, you just have to ask one question and you're now you're gone, you know, and it's like, that's great. Like sometimes I'm, it, when we do the podcast or just when I'm talking to people in general, there's a lot of like having to pull this stuff out. You're like, go deeper, say more, like 
what about this? And you know, you get these kind of one word answers, shrug, shrug. There's not much to say here, not much to see. And we're with you fixated guys, on this. We're fixated on our yeah. stories, who we are, well, what's brought us to where we are, this inner world. And, yeah, there might be other types that don't love that. I love it. I'm just like, oh, this is great. <laughs> it's like almost reading a book yeah, or something, yeah. you know? It's like, there, that's a really, that's a really, um, you know, comprehensive narrative that we just got just in terms of a story. It's like, I'm, I'm very immersed in it now. You you know, I can feel it. I can feel it when it comes to the part where you're going to get kicked out of this Christian church community again and, and what's on the line for you emotionally. It's just like, gosh, that sucks. And it also just makes me mad at Christians. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, well, Yeah, I, I, I still have friends who like, um, they'll who are still like in in that world mm-hmm. and you know like and i've recently probably like a year ago like i stopped leading worship leading mm-hmm. worship like on a stage you know mm-hmm. because i felt like uh the for, for me like it, it's more authentic at the place that i'm at now for like stillness and quietness like I, that says that says for me more than anything yeah. i could ever sing on a stage right now um Aside from the fact that, like, I don't believe half of what I used to sing anyway, you yeah, know. So yeah, it's totally. like, um, but I have friends who, like, uh, you know, they'll message me and be like, you know, it's a shame you're not leading worship anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you had such a gift, mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. it's that stuff that I just have to be like, just not going to respond. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not go going there. Can't go there. Not going there. Well, let's take a short <laughs> break and then. And then if you guys are down, maybe I can just ask you guys some questions about being fours and you guys can sort of compare notes a little bit. Compare our notes. Um, yeah. Cause yeah, I just, it just be, we've done, we've been doing this for about two and a half years and we often interview, we do it up an Enneagram episode every five episodes. And so, um, there, there have been times where it's like, we use each other to, to do our four and five episodes, but I feel like it's all, I've always wanted to be like, I want to get you talking to another four mm-hmm. and see what it's like. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. That'd be fun. We'll take a quick break. I'm just going to go to the bathroom. Really quick. We'll come back. Anyone okay. Go to the bathroom. Anyone. Anyone bathroom, can go to the bathroom. bathroom break for anyone. Bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this interview with Zach. And this is that part of the podcast where I hop on here and ask you to go on over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. So if you're enjoying this interview and you appreciate the podcast, consider pausing this episode and hopping on over to iTunes and giving us a rating and review. And if you've already done that before and you're still interested in supporting the podcast, maybe consider posting about us on your social media this week. If you've done that and you are doing that currently and you're still interested in supporting the podcast, (laughs) then maybe consider supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Just head on over to Patreon and look up No Small Thing and you will be given opportunities to support us on that level, which we would really appreciate. Uh, But anyways, that's just my little plug. It's my call to action. And I really do hope you're enjoying this episode. And there are some really great things to come. Uh, in terms of a conversation with Zach and Mace coming up. So I hope you stick around for that. We really appreciate you listening. And again, uh, consider promoting slash supporting us uh, on these different channels this week. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) 
Um, well, maybe I, I feel like I, I had this idea of like deconstructing fours and, and going through the, the different deconstruct us. <laughs> well, the different elements of like what it means to be a heart type, a shame type. But like, I feel like the way the direction of the conversation is going, like, um, just in terms of spirituality and looking at your like Instagram, Zach, and like sort of the nature of your podcast, um, it does seem inevitable that if an Enneagram four is going to authentically engage their spiritual life, they're going to get up, kicked out. They're going to get kicked out <laughs> <laughs> or labeled a heretic. Yeah. It's like a self-fulfilling, which is the same thing, right? Like, yeah. No, it is a self-fulfilling. Yeah. That's true. Um, is you're you're eventually going to probably identify as a mystic. <laughs> yeah. Come at us. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I, I think it would be fun to hear what that means to both of you. Like, like when you say, cause that, that's how you would describe your faith more these days. Like you say, I'm a mystic, yeah, you know, yeah. like what do you want? Do you want to start with say like what that means to you? Yeah. Yeah, I can. And I think it's interesting you sharing that piece about you having the experience of God and then like, certain people kind of being like, I'm not having these experiences. Um, and I can think of a lot of experiences where I'm like, I'm, I'm really experiencing God there. It's undeniable. I'm experiencing, um, a mystical force, some creative energy, something that is beyond myself and yet feels like it's also coming from within myself. Mm. Um, and I can name, a handful of experiences that have regardless of intellect or regardless of what people have said, they have shaped how I see and experience spirituality um, and have left me in a state of wonder Mm. and feeling like I've experienced something that I can know. And yet the knowing feels also like, wrapped up in it is this humongous force of unknowingness. Hmm. Um, like that, that kind of tension of experiencing something beyond yourself and yet also being within and also feeling like you're having a, a tangible piece like that, that dichotomy defines kind of what that means for me. Like when I'm saying that I'm mostly saying like when I'm relating to spirituality or God or anything that's beyond me, it's, Sometimes it feels so out of my control and it's, there's this sense of just wonderment Mm. um, that comes with it. And I do think I've had like, I've had experiences that feel like the only word to describe it is mystical. Like it just, I I don't even know what the root of that word is, but it's a mystery. It's, it comes out of nowhere and it's a mystery that has happened to me Mm. and I can do nothing but be in it in the moment. (sighs) And you guys both seem to just really let yourself experience it. I think a lot of people feel it coming and probably for me, and this is why I like hanging out with fours as a five, it, it, it goes through like almost a, uh, a colander or something like, uh, it, it, the experience goes through all the questions and the processing first. Mm. And then sometimes I can be like, oh, I think, I think after I've thought about it, I think, I think I just had a little bit of an experience maybe, mm-hmm. but I feel like for you guys, all the filters come off and it goes full force, the feelings and the experience. Well, and if we look at a fours, like ego fixation on indulging an experience, like I'm probably doing the opposite of that. I'm, is, is this happening? And, <laughs> and I, I, there's a piece of me that is, it's like utterly opening my heart to it. Yeah. Like, 
let's let this happen. I want to let this fully happen. If, if all of a sudden this rain that's falling from the sky looks like it's blue and this is God's (laughs) river and it's coming down and it's the middle of the night, like I am not going to resist that. I'm going to sit in the middle of the street and like allow that rain to come down. Cause I'm like, this, this is it. I've been clinging for these moments. So when they come, I'm like, and I'm probably indulging. Like there's a piece of me that's like, is this real? Am I just making this up and indulging this and allowing this? And I'm like, probably, probably a little bit, but there's also something profound in it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my thought. That's a good thought. (laughs) No. Yeah. Like for me, like when I tell people like, I, I I would probably, and again, I've never had to because of the, the, the few and far between people that I know who are like me. I mean, you know, there's like close friends now who know me, but like, I've never had to, you know, like tell people like, I would, I think I'm like a Christian, a Christian mystic now. Mm. Cause I think that would be how I would describe myself now. Um, and I, and I've told people, I would say, um, mystic because for me, it, I put, um, experience above like dogma or doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm not saying that dogma and doctrine is a bad thing, but it, it can be taken out of, out of context or it could be taken to, you know, harm people as it, you know, mo- mostly sometimes, you know, is. And for me, I, I, I throw a, you know, Christian on there because it goes back to that camp experience. Um, because it was, in that in that mime it was like the point of like resurrection mm. there yeah. was when the lightning kind of like mm. struck my heart and in that moment um you know it, it was like christ in that moment yeah. you know and so for me um that's why it's easy for me to hang on i don't i don't even know if i'd say like the label christian yeah, yeah. like that's has such like a negative connotation to it these days but yeah for me, it was like I had a Christ moment. Yeah. You know, yeah, interesting. Of, uh, you know, that Christ is uh, in all things, like I said, you know, Christ is the force that's holding everything together, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. working everything out, you know. And so for me, like, that's what that means, you know, that's kind of like my mindset is like I have these experiences, um, which sometimes go against like a doctrine or a dogma or, or there's nothing to kind of explain what is going on in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yet I know that it's happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, I mean, that's the kind of thing for me. Like there's been times when, um, I mean, like one, one example that like really comes to memory was like, there was this time that I was really, being hard on myself with like shame and guilt mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, just something your day I to day. done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the, one, one of the many ones of that day. That <laughs> <laughs> and I remember like I had, um, cause a lot of my prayers are, um, not just praying, you know, like vocally and internally, but it's like just picturing like, you know, something. Mm -hmm. And so like in this prayer, um, I remember I I had 
I had felt like so much guilt and the weight of so much guilt and shame that I began thinking about what, what's it going to be like the day that I finally see like Jesus Hmm. in person or whatever. And so, um, I can only imagine. Yeah. And in that, and so I began like in my mind, God, I hate that song. (laughs) (laughs) I hated that song because I was still in, I was still like super into conservative church, but I hated that song even when it came out then. I was like, I'm never singing that song. I low-key loved it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You encountered it when you were like in seventh grade, right? Yeah. 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 I was like, what would it be like? What would I do? What would I do in heaven? (laughs) I think I just hated it because I never liked his voice. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I was just like, I'm not listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) But like when I was, I had that. And so like, I began thinking of like, okay, what, what, what am I going to do? And so like, it turned into kind of like this visiony kind of experience Mm -hmm. to where like I ran up to Jesus and like the only thing that I could do was just like bury my face, like in his chest. Like Mm. I, I felt so much shame and so much Mm. guilt that like, I couldn't even like look at him. I just Mm. wanted to bury my face. And in that it kind of like turned into one of those like mystical experiences where like, in that vision or whatever prayer dream, whatever you want to call it, he like uh, took my chin and like raised my face up to mm. his. And the only thing that I can remember is like those, the eyes, mm. you know, right. that I saw. And Dang. it was like eyes that spoke like a million words, but he never said one thing, mm. you know? And in that moment, like there was this like, kind of like wash of like peace came over me. Cause it was like those eyes, you know, spoke so spoke healing and spoke peace and spoke forgiveness. Like it's one of those ex- moments where like, I can still, like, if I close my eyes, it's like that, those eyes were like burned, <laughs> burned into my memory Damn. where yeah. like, and yeah. maybe that was just a gift, you know, of like whenever, cause obviously still feel shame and guilt, but mm-hmm. I can, I can use that as like another anchor point of like, I can always remember those eyes because those eyes, you know, speak, more truth to how I'm, you know, feeling with guilt and shame and stuff. So, uh, it's really interesting. Like, I, I think we, we often think a lot about, I think something that captivates Mason me is how we all are, we all need each other. And the Enneagram really shows that like everybody brings a gift. And even as you're talking, I think an Enneagram five would be wanting to lean into more of the intellectual side of faith. And that mm-hmm. obviously speaks to me more, uh, but I'm a five wing four. So it's like, I'm, I'm very in touch with that side too. But it's interesting to think that I, 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 I also, I guess because it's so tainted sometimes don't like dogma or doctrine, but, but I think there's part of me that wants to be participating in some creation of a doctrine or dogma that mm-hmm. supports this energy that supports the mystical and the, and the experiential. And mm-hmm. um, so I like, I like hear you guys and I want to do my part to like write theology to and like, create. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it is important. Let yeah. Them yeah. Love their experiences. yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and let's, let's, let's try to, let's, let's try to write something that creates a, a starting point for the soup, the truly supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, then, cause that's important. Cause you know, it, it kind of ties in like you're a five, and then, like I said, my wife is a one and yeah. I always like refer to her as like my kite string because mm. I'm like, I'm the kite that's just like 
floating really out there. Cool. And if like, if I, if, if I wasn't attached, like who knows where I would be, but she's <laughs> always like, yeah, yeah like she, she's like the ground, you know? And so like, mm-hmm. I learned so much about practical, like how to actually do stuff do you live instead of just life? daydreaming all day, you know, so, like, <laughs> wait a minute. You mean I actually got to vacuum the floor and do my own laundry? What? Like, it's not going to do itself. <laughs> oh my <laughs> But goodness. So I can see that like, like the practical side of the one and then the practical side of the five, because it is good to have like uh, something to anchor, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, us into, mm. you know, yeah. which I, I appreciate that. It's, it's funny to me. I also feel like it's very, I don't know. It's just like a funny thing that fours do claim to be mystics. Often. I think it's like a little LOL at us because like, <laughs> fours who are like oh we're so mysterious like our inner world is so mysterious and and an understanding of god it's got to be so much more beyond and it has to be mysterious and it's interesting because i'm like i do think that's almost like the gift we bring forward but i do wonder like it, it does feel like it's leaning into that ego piece of like oh we're so mysterious and indulging in that and it, it's what we bring forward and yet i'm also like just laughing at how much of a meme it is and that it's like it does feel like the right word to describe my relationship with spirituality I don't really know what I mean by it but it's like I can't be tied and I'm I'm different than you I am like a little bit like I don't want the Christian label to be tied to me and kind of like well you can tell he Zach's pretty ambivalent about it too though yeah Yeah. and (laughs) I'm like ah I I can't have that label I don't really know what label and like so I guess mystic because it implies like you it implies an unlabelness to it yeah. in some sense, yeah. which I don't know. I can, when I, as I hear you guys talk, I can feel more than even usual. Just, I guess, immersing myself in the world of a four right now. Why would be like, again, I guess comparing contrasting, like I often feel alone or misunderstood for somebody not understanding my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know? And I think with the, both of you, like Macy and I are going to go into a season starting in two weeks where we're going to do three episodes on dreams. So we've been really mm. going really nice. hard on dream logs and stuff, but it's, it's like you can, it's, it's strange that Mace has been painting eyes a lot lately. So for you to talk about Jesus and these eyes, eyes, and, yeah. these eyes <laughs> and I can see how you guys uh, give that so much attention and it, and it starts to become so significant to you and so personal. Mm-hmm. And, Whereas most people would have maybe that glimmer about the eyes would come across their field of vision and they'd be like, like a six, like we have a six friend who texted me this morning and, and texted me, here's what I'm, here's some thoughts for the day. This is all came coming from my dreams, which was all very practical. Like literally grocery shopping and checking off to do list in the dream, you know, where, so (laughs) So like, my dreams are not that I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of shame and a lot of yeah. see me. People. Yeah. yeah. See you me. You want to be seen. Yeah. So yeah. like, I feel like for somebody like a six or one or uh, like this, eye experience could be coming through their field of vision and they just discard it. But yeah. you go, you go, Oh my <gasps> gosh. And then, and An then you're trying to tell somebody about it. And they're like, did you, did you vacuum? Did you vacuum though? And you're like, wait, but the eye, the eye experience is the most important. How could you possibly care? And then you start to feel misunderstood. And I feel like it's the self-fulfilling prophecy thing. It's like, see, nobody yeah. understands. See, no one gets it. And yeah. I guess I'm going to have to go back to my inner world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, living, living with, with a one, you know, it's, it's, 
sometimes I feel sorry for her. <laughs> she, you know, and it's, it's, it's so cool to see cause she can walk into a room and see like exactly what needs to be put in place, mm-hmm. you know, where, where dirt is. And I, I'm just like, what are you, I don't even see any dirt. And she's like, here it is. You see it. And I'm just like, Oh, I mean, yeah. Like nobody's going to notice that. And she's like, I notice it. And I'm just like, yeah, but you don't notice me. <laughs> no, but for real. And then it's like, but there's a deeper issue here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, I that, throw that yeah. around. She knows I'm joking. Yeah. Like, she, she hates it. Cause I totally joke too much in, in that area of like, you just don't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is something similar too about this idea. I mean, maybe just riff on that a little bit. Cause it just happened to you, but like Mace having this dream of not feeling seen. Like what, what does it, what does it mean? What does it even mean to be seen for you? Well, I mean, that's interesting. Cause so I also live with a one, um, which is fun. And I love that kind of <laughs> analogy. I think that's really accurate. And yesterday, was it yesterday or two days ago where he was like super mocking me of this, like, Oh, <laughs> it was spot on. Too. It was so accurate of like, Oh, please see me. Please see. Me. Oh my goodness. Yes. Look at me. Like, Oh, I'm doing all these things, and then the second someone sees, it's like, oh, well, you don't understand. You, no, you're not actually seeing, and like it's the way he said it was just like so spot on and just like adding me. Yeah. But I had this dream essentially where, so I've been, as Scott was saying, making I've been studying Carl Jung mm-hmm. and making mandalas, hence the dreams, hence I've been having these images of these eyes, and essentially this dream was me going to therapy, and one of my siblings was there. And the whole session, like the therapist was just kind of ignoring me and like not really caring. And I kept, I was getting more and more invested in what I wanted to say. Like, I was like, there's so much I want to tell you. And I'm like trying to draw this eye for her to see. And like the paper kept breaking and I was getting more and more frustrated. But what was building inside me is like, but there's something humongous for you to see. Like the less that this person was able to see it, the the bigger it got. And then it ended up like moving on to this other scene where like, because it's a dream, just like new people appear, you know, like all of a sudden (laughs) my brother is my dad and (laughs) I'm like sobbing, sobbing. Like no one like this. I, cause I yelled at the therapist. I was like, why didn't you like, this was, I was here for two hours and I wanted to give you so much and you didn't listen to me. And she's like, okay, thanks for coming. And so I walked out and was like, pissed but also like I'm mad but I was so actually just truly devastated on the inside like I was like no I was I'm trying so hard like I'm working so hard to find a way to show you who I am and then you just ignore me and then I was telling this to my dad and my dad in the dream was like pretty much yelled at me like you you're being so dramatic you are freaking out over nothing Like, can't you just like be chill essentially? And I was like, no, like sobbing, devastated. Like I actually can't be chill. And then I woke up from the stream. (laughs) So it was like very sad. And I woke up and was like, I need to cry now. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, the dream does expose, this is what I'm saying. And it's this two piece thing for me. I feel like it's, I, I think it's maybe a pride issue of like, I'm working really hard to find ways for people to see me. Like I'm working really hard to understand myself and I'm going really deep and I'm getting something and I need a witness to that. Maybe Mm -hmm. I need someone to see that I'm doing that. And yet there's also this piece of like, 
but I'm going deep inside of me and no one can come all the way that deep inside of me. So there's kind of that tension. Dang. It seems so complicated. (laughs) (laughs) But even what Mace was saying, it sort of reminded me of, even as you were talking, the significance of that style change when you were younger of like, I'm making an intentional decision to grow my hair long and I, and, and, and it means something significant to me and I want people to notice that. And, um, yeah. 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 Wanting to be seen. <laughs> I know for me, like I, ha- I had this conversation with another four that I know, and she is a, uh, she has a three wing and you know, I'm, I have a five wing and it was kind of like we were, we were realizing, um, she was brought up with parents who really wanted her to get good grades, you know, really, you know, the kind of the three thing, you know, be, be the best you could be, outdo everybody else, you know, um, got to always look the right part, play the right part, you know, mm-hmm. and where on my end, you know, like I grew up with parents who, like I said, were either not there or were too busy to be there. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of like the, and we, we kind of had one of those eye opening moments of like, because to this day, she's the kind of, you know, she's the kind of four that always like wants to, uh, you know, everybody to think good of her, um, you know, everybody to praise her for, you know, everything. And I'm the kind of guy we, and, and I, I, we had this realization of like, maybe you're that way because your parents, you know, wanted you to, to perform and be the best you can. Whereas, you know, like, I was just always alone. Hmm. Yeah. And so for me, like, um, I'd never worried about grades and I never worried about anything like that. Um, because in my mind, and this is where like we had this thing, like in your mind, you think that if people see you for what, for what you do, that that's where your, uh, you know, fulfillment is going to come from. But in my mind, like nobody cares anyway. <laughs> mm, right. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like for me, that's interesting. It's, yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's really hard sometimes to like talk about stuff because the first thing my mind goes to is like, nobody, nobody cares anyway. Like, mm. like, you know, which is cool that you guys are listening. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We definitely we care. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's like, um, you know, we've had the, my wife and I've had these discussions where it's like, um, she's had to basically like pull it out of me to get to talk because it's, in, it was ingrained at, at yeah. such a young age of like, nobody cares. Like nobody right. cares how I think nobody cares how I feel. Nobody cares what I like you know? And so for me, it's like, that's one area that I'm still growing in is like, um, and for me, it's funny because I think, um, a lot of it is so I'm blinded to the foreness in myself Hmm. where I don't even see myself, um, wanting to be seen. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I think it's just totally like, uh, the, the subconscious level, of like that drive to be seen, but mm-hmm. I don't see it, yeah, but I do but stuff. Fair. Yeah. Cause I remember like there would be sometimes when I would read, when my wife and I would be talking and I would read something about like, um, B 
being like over the Enneagram fours are like so over romantic, you know? And when I, it was funny. Cause like when I first read it, for some reason, I just had like the, the, uh, like the, the love part of romance yeah. tied to romantic. And I was like, I'm not really that romantic of a person. But then I started realizing like, but I so like over romanticize like everything else. It's life. like every piece of life is yeah. romantic. Like in my mind, like every morning Truth. it's like, okay, I'm going to get up and the sun's going to be shining and I'm going to go have a cup of coffee on the front porch. And like, I'm going to read this poem and it's going to be so good. And then like, when none of that happens, like my world collapses, you know, and like I, I, I'm yelling at my kids, yeah. yelling at the dog. I'm yelling at my wife. I'm like, why does my life suck? You know? And so what's funny is like, we have those conversations, like, and I don't see any of that. Like it's yeah. totally oblivious to me. Yeah. But then like when I have the conversations with my wife of like, huh, this thing says here that like, I'm super like over romanticized and super emotional. And I like, I don't think I'm, I'm not that emotional. And like, she's literally like laughing laughing. in my face before she's like, what? And then it's like the laughing that like turns on the lights. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, it's actually everything. (laughs) It's actually every single second. (laughs) Yes. It's like a fish and fish and water. You know, you don't know you're in the water. Exactly. Yes. It's exactly like that. No, it's real. So like, I think I'm, I'm like that. Um, it's just, I just don't ever pay attention to it, I guess, because it's like the fish in the water. Like, yeah, it's all around. I just don't. Dang. You know. Yeah, I, I hung out with a friend like a month ago, and I was just like, gosh, you, you as Enneagram enthusiasts, you want to fr- you want to freeze frame these moments and just lock it and have it be like, I wish I could have recorded the way you just said that. Because we had thought this friend of mine was an eight, but we're both pretty sure he's a four now, but he doesn't engage the Enneagram that much. Keatley. Yeah. My friend, John Keatley. I, I can talk about him on the podcast. Um, and he's, he's a photographer and an artist and, um, just naturally without even talking about the Enneagram, he just, he just said, you know, he hadn't seen me in a long time and we were social distance drinking whiskey in his backyard. And, and he just said, as one does in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he just said, I, I thought about today and I knew that when you came over, I wanted, I wanted the experience to be as deep and profound and authentic as possible. Like I knew I wanted to set the tone, right. (laughs) I wanted, and even now I'm, I'm noticing that I'm kind of ignoring my kids and everything because I want us to have a really deep connection. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) give me a lot of information here. I don't know. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's bringing up for me, like it's been, so we're in Seattle and it's sunny this week, which is like very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, wintertime. And so every day it's, I'm in the best mood this week because every day I've woken up and I have created the most romantic mornings for myself. Cause now I'm doing these dream logs and I take my dream log and I move this chair out to the sunspot. There's this perfect sunspot and I make my coffee and I sit my Making coffee so jealous. And, I, and I listen to my indie emo while I, I write in my dream log. And I'm like, this is living. And I want, I'm like, I want someone to get a picture of this. Like, this is the moment. Yeah. Which living your best life, living my best life, which is interesting. I, I'll just want to go back to this, the wing stuff, because I think I probably, I, I've, I've always kind of thought like I've related to both of the wing pieces. Um, Mace can get a little competitive sometimes for sure. Very competitive. And I'm, I'm, (laughs) I definitely have, I think sexual is my top. And so, I mean, sexual fours are also just competitive. Um, but I grew up with a family structure that was like 
success driven my grades were like really paid attention to and there was a lot of pieces that were telling me to focus on having a certain kind of image and the four twist as I've grown up is I've I've grown to pretty much find my image in being not that like in being resistant to that like this idea of success I'm like well I'm gonna I'm gonna run away from that like you will like I will have my image in being estranged from that piece but there is for sure a three element kind of always in that you know even though it's yeah it's my it's it's my annoyance with it that I think exposes how much it kind of is actually embedded in me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's real. It's so complicated how that happens. <laughs> do you, do you resonate with that at all, Zach? <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that. Cause I never thought of it that way. Cause like I said earlier, my dad, you know, um, he passed away like five years ago now or else I would have had him take the Enneagram test. But, mm. um, he, like I said, he was always success, outward looking, you know, right car, right suit, right job, you know, wants to be respected by everybody that I always rebelled against that, Mm. you know, of like, I think what it really was (laughs) was when he would turn my music down because he didn't want people to think he listened to that kind of music. Mm. I was like, don't mess with, don't mess with my music. I'm rebelling. I'm rebelling now. I'm rebelling (laughs) against you. You turn my music down. But no, it's, I think and it's really interesting down. that you say that because like there, the, there is a part of the three, the part, I guess the part that resonates the most is the part that wants to put on that facade to please people, mm-hmm. you know, or, or to look like you have it all together so that you can get that acceptance, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, that's a big thing that I, I would say like is off and on it, it drives me is, you know, I still want people to, you know, acknowledge that, you know, maybe I have it together or maybe I, you know, but it's, it's minute. Like it doesn't like, it doesn't drive, drive me, you know, like I would far more there. Like I said, I would far more rather read a book, um, than care what people think about me as far as that goes, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's why a lot of the five so resonates with me more than anything. Is like I just love reading, and I just love reading like everything. Um, especially like I'm a huge, like I would say, like I was a huge theology nerd, you know, because yeah. I've read like, you know, the N.T. Wright books and all that kind of stuff, and you know, so good. Love N.T. Wright. You have a pal. Here. Yeah. <laughs> did you? Did you also? I mean, it sounds like you read, or maybe you should if you haven't. Uh, the Cosmic Christ by by Richard Rohr. Yeah, I've read. Oh yeah. yeah. That's why oh, you're yeah. like Christ and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's why like, like there were, there's people like, you know, like Brian Zahn was one and Richard Rohr was another when I started reading him. Um, who else? I would be curious, like, what is, what is the motivation for reading? Like, are you, are you exploring and diving into books to like find, find yourself? That's a good question. Yeah. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it's definitely the five side of like, why making like, sense. Yeah. Like, and also like how, like the whole, like, you know, like why, why is theology like this or why, why do people believe this? You know, that whole side of things, like what was, 
the whole cult, like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm just feel like I'm this huge theology nerd of like, let me see what life was really like in first century Palestine. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. So let me read a couple books on that, like <laughs> that nobody really would ever care about, you yeah. know, but for yeah. me, it's like, whoa, they did this, you know, like they did this. Um, so there's that side of it, but then there's also the side of like, it helps me. It's almost like therapeutic because it helps me realize like that this is, somewhat normal mm-hmm. that I'm not just totally, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I'm not just crazy or, you know, whatever, uh, alone, you know, um, Finding cause for some... me that, that, yeah, that plays a big part into it of like realizing, you know, other people have these feelings. Um, I don't know why. I mean, maybe that's the four of just realizing the group. I'm a part, I'm a part of a larger group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Social type. Um, yeah. Al- although I still enjoy my, uh, individuality and alone time, you know, yeah. only talk to me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. Good. I like think if there's one thing that I've learned in the, in the, this, the pandemic times of like, I went into this thinking I was like on the Myers Briggs thinking I was like an ENFP, mm-hmm. but like I, I've realized through this that I'm an INFP mm-hmm. because like I would, I'm, I don't care if I ever go anywhere ever again. Like, I've been able to, I've been fortunate enough to like work from home during this mm-hmm. time. And so I like, I like, and my wife as well. So we're like on that, we're the same. We're like, Hey, like, I don't ever want to go anywhere again. Like, let's just work from home. <laughs> yes. So we never have to go see anybody ever again. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh Oh, holidays gotta stay home. Oh yeah. I no. know. Yeah. Just me and my people. <laughs> oh so no. Great. Yeah. I, I have, I have a 16 and a 14 year old. And so the regular school year started up and it was like, Oh, parent teacher conferences and curriculum night and all these things that typically take us like three hours because we're driving in traffic at night. Yeah. And, and, and then you have to do all the socializing. It's like, we just open up our computer, have a little curriculum night, close the computer and go about our business. But I think, I so think both of, all three of us are INFPs theoretically mm-hmm. on I the Myers-Briggs. So. Yeah. A-N-F-P? What spoiled me was like last, <laughs> like 2019 Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I don't have any siblings and then my wife only has a sister and she lives in Maryland. And so normally like our holidays are like just really low key anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2019 Thanksgiving, um, and we usually just spend like the holidays with uh, my, my in-laws, my, my wife's mom and dad, which they, and they live like five minutes down the street. But for 2019 Thanksgiving, they went to Maryland to be with um, my uh, sister-in-law. And so like it was the first time because my extended family is kind of big. And so every t- for like, you know, 39 years, I had been with like a group of like 15 people. And so like last Thanksgiving, we, um, like totally new territory for me. We went to like this, uh, downtown Charlotte has this little, um, diner Mm. that had like a Thanksgiving special for like 10 bucks a person, you know, 10 bucks a person, you go in and get like the turkeys and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we went in there and we like, we ate Thanksgiving dinner in a diner with like six other people in the diner because Mm. who goes to a diner on Thanksgiving, you know? Right. But, when my wife and I left that and we were like, this was the best Thanksgiving ever. <laughs> <laughs> like a little and bit so more like, chill. Plus you didn't have to cook. Yeah. 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 And so like for this Thanksgiving, it was kind of like the same thing of like, wait a minute. You mean for two years in a row, you don't have to chill. do anything. Yeah. No, it's so nice. Yeah, no, I, I don't No, I, I mean, obviously we're in a different 
season of COVID now, I think there was, there was, a, there was a season where like everybody was thinking it was going to get better and things were going to, the lockdowns were going to stop. And so slowly people started inviting and having gatherings again. And I was like, no, oh no, no, yeah. no. And now I am. Now little, we're back to lockdown. Yeah. I am a little worried for things to go back to normal, but I, I, I think, um, no, it's going to be, I'm stressed in many ways for the transition back. Yeah. But maybe we as a society have learned to chill out a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe we've learned that we don't always have to gather <laughs> and we can zoom a little bit more. <laughs> See, I wonder like my, I don't know if it's the five and me, but like my mind goes to like, we should do like a whole, like a uh, statistical breakdown of like the map of the U S because yeah. like, I feel like for here, um, it's like, nobody believes it's real. Right. Yeah. It's like, this ain't real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like people here are like still going to like, uh, like we still get our, um, our groceries. Um, they have a, a thing where you can order online and then you pull up and they bring it to your car. Mm. Yeah. So whenever we go do that, like the parking lot's always full. People are walking in without masks on. You yeah. Know? Yeah. We, it, we definitely, yeah, we, we're in a city that Everyone, most people think it's real. And if you re- you meet someone who's not, they're definitely one of the fewer people. I had a yeah. friend who's a pharmacist in Portland come up and visit us last week. And even, even she was just going to walk around Queen Anne neighborhood where we live. And she was like, I don't, I've never seen any neighborhood that I live in take it this seriously. Like everybody's masked. Everybody's so strict. I wish it was like that here. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Me too. For you. I, I've been, we've been hosting, <laughs> Uh, we've been hosting a, a, a virtual online youth group. And part of my job is talking to kids from all over the world. And it has really exposed this bubble. We live up in up here in Washington, uh, where it's like, yeah, we, we just, I think, I think Washington state is like the bluest state in the country. You actually believe in yeah. science, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kind of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just, yeah, that's the water we swim out of here. I, I, yeah. I forget, I forget that I just, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. Anyways, uh, now my mind is really wandering no. down that side track. Yeah. Like, sorry sorry about, about that. My mind was like, yeah, that's interesting to see. Yeah. One of the thoughts I had when we were talking about theology, because just in this interplay of four wing five, five wing four, you know, you imagine a five wing six really delving into research and probably having it wanting to be a little bit more practical. And I think sometimes that four wing really makes me want my research or my thoughts to be really novel. Like mm-hmm. I want, I want, I want to sit down in a group of people who are discussing theology and have read an, a new book. Like, you want the special thought? I do, I do. You I want, want the, the special yeah. thought. The special thing to come in, <laughs> or the new theologian. I'm like, oh, have you heard of? You know, I want to make sure I don't want to say anything that like everybody's like, oh, yeah, we know that. We know that. Yeah. You want to say something that's going to like stop the room and be like, oh, I feel like it's torture to you if you're like, have you like this person, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I I read about that in my undergrad. (laughs) Okay, well, let me think of something else. (laughs) No, I know. I I do notice that like sometimes I'll be sitting at a, a gathering and I'm I'm racking my brain going through all my files, trying to think of the novel thing I can say. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and that's the weird thing about all of our types, that's right? Because I noticed twos so and other weird. types. My wife is a nine. You know, the way they're approaching conversation is just so present. And they're just asking how they're doing. And it's like, I went to the grocery store the other day and, and here's how the wife and kids are doing. And I'm like, okay, but when can we start some interesting ideas exchanges? You know, and 
I'm always looking for the little opportunity. You know? <gasps> oh, oh, and I, I was reading about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Super real. Oh, boy. Man. Man, we could talk for forever, I feel like. I know. I know. This is so fun. Um, I just think there's just so many. I mean, unintentionally, like, I just started that that weird Instagram account that I have, which was mostly, I say it right on the and thing. And you're going to repost? Just, it's just yeah, to yeah, promote, yeah, yeah. It's just to promote the podcast. Um, but it's been fun finding other accounts like yours, maybe that's something we can talk about as we sort of, sort of wind down Mm -hmm. uh, is maybe talking a little bit about your Instagram account and your podcast. Like how did that, how did you get those things started? Uh, It was just kind of like out of the blue. Um, It was like a year, year and a half ago now. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, I think it was like June or July of maybe like 2019. And it was just kind of like a whim out of a whim thing. I was like, I told my wife that I was like, I think I'm just going to start this Enneagram for Instagram account just because what it was is on my personal um, Instagram account, like I would post all this stuff and like, I, I just, it's kind of like the fourth thing. Like I, I just felt like people just didn't get it or yeah. people just, you know, didn't want to see that on their timeline. So they would just like <laughs> skim over it. And so for me, it was like, but this is like how I feel, you know, cause I would, I would str- like, there was, I, I see now like going back, like it's at some points I would like straight up put like whole pages of, of NT right on my Enneagram, <laughs> on my personal, Enneagram, <laughs> on my personal Instagram feed. Yeah. And so like, I'd be like, Oh yeah, I can see why I only got one like on that. Cause nobody cares to read like a whole page of NT right. Like, you know, come on. Like, <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> so what I decided was, and maybe it was like the whole mix of like, I want to connect with people who, uh, feel like me. I also want people who maybe felt like I used to like mm. to know you're not alone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then also like, um, I, I want to just to be seen too. like, you know, if, if, like, Oh, these people like, like stuff. So I know like I'm not alone, but also like, Hey, maybe, also. maybe I'm cool. You know, something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> just being honest, but like, yeah, yeah I love that. Honestly. So I started it and, um, I mean, like, I don't, you know, on there, it's, it's mainly just like a Instagram account with like how I feel like, I don't, you know, I don't ever claim to like be an, 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 uh, Enneagram expert, you know, cause sometimes people like will comment and I'll be like, I'll, (laughs) I'll literally reply back and be like, read the profile. Cause in the profile, it just says like the thoughts of an Enneagram four, like it doesn't say like the thoughts of an expert Enneagram four or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Random so like thoughts, I started musings it. and confessions of an yeah. Instagram for. I love that. Yeah, because it's like nowhere in there do I claim that I'm know what I'm talking about. Certified Enneagram expert. Yeah. <laughs> trained in the because I've had people would be like, I don't feel like that, or like or something like that. And I'd be like, cool. Like I do. I didn't say <laughs> you didn't have to feel like like, you know, like this is how I feel. It says it in the profile. <laughs> 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 but so I started it and then like maybe. I didn't tell my wife I started it hmm. because if she kind of was just like laughing at me. And then like when I started it, I waited, I think till I had like 500 followers. And hmm. then I showed my wife, I was like, Oh look, I started this Enneagram thing. And she was like, you have 500 followers. And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. You know, like I told you. Really <laughs> like me. <laughs> There's some other people. So like I don't know. Out there. <laughs> I'm not and alone. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, that's the, that's the, the purpose behind it is kind of like, um, 
it helps me to get myself out there, like, you know, how I'm feeling, but then also maybe people can resonate with it. And then maybe there's people who are going through kind of, cause you know, most of the stuff in there is, um, you know, more, more on the mystical bent yeah. of things, you know? I mean, sometimes I'll throw out like NT right stuff, which is more like conservative, you know, like, I don't know what you would call him, like middle, middle, middle road, I moderate. Guess. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but so, yeah. And then I decided, cause I've, I've, I've started other podcasts hmm. with other friends and then it was this kind of like, what if I started a podcast that just kind of like talked about what I was feeling or what I was going through. And so like I started Perfect. it and Love it. it's been tough this year cause I've, I've only had like three episodes this hmm. year because I have a, I have a, a six year old and nine year old. They do school from home. Yeah. They're here all the time. Yeah. They're screaming at each other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so like I've, the only time I've done a podcast this year is if like number one, like, they went somewhere with my wife, like for a drive or something. And then I was like, this is a good time to do one. Or like, uh, like now, like they're in the bedroom, like watching the iPad. <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Do not come out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so like the, the podcast is just, it's the same thing uh, as the Instagram side. It's just, it's more like, um, hey, this is what I feel like. Um, kind of like, this is my story. Maybe it resonates. Maybe it helps you. Yeah. And then I've done, I've done interviews with other fours. Mm-hmm. Um, I've interviewed uh, Mason Minega, uh, Brian Zond, Caitlin Curtis, um, Jessica Kantrowitz was one I just mm-hmm. did like two weeks ago. And it, it's hard, like getting fours, like, cause there are like Brian McLaren is a four. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Um, which I've reached out to him. And I'm waiting to hear back. Um, like uh, um, John Mark McMillan, yeah. he's a four. Yeah. He lives in Charlotte. He's from Charlotte here. Like I used oh. to go to, I used to go to his church some um, back that, when I was growing is up. Is that sloppy wet kiss? Yeah, yeah sloppy yeah. wet kiss. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's my reference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see who else. Um, there's this one of my favorite singer songwriters. His name is Matthew Perryman Jones. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. That sounds familiar Def- to me. Definitely got to look him up. Yeah. Um, he's from Nashville. I'm pretty sure like most people are from Nashville, but like singer songwriters, yeah. country ish. I don't know. But um, his stuff like always resonated with me. And then like he was actually on um, the Road Back to You. Hmm. Or no, he was on Ian's podcast, his own yeah. personal Typology. podcast. Now. Yeah, 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 Typology. He was on that. And then I was like, there you go. It makes sense. Like it makes sense that you're a four. Yeah. Cause like he's his, his latest album, like the first song is called happy. And like the chorus is like, why can't I let myself be happy? I'm just like, yep. yep. <laughs> the question of life. No. So I don't know. Like I just, I try to do that. And, um, I've been on this, like it would have been if, if the pandemic didn't happen, if, if I had the house to myself, um, if my kids were actually in school, I would have probably been done, but I started this, um, like whole series and I'm kind of in the middle of it, but it's based on that Richard Rohr quote that you were talking about where like, look at a leaf. Yeah. And if you like, look at a leaf, you can see that it is, um, a participation in the very being of God. And so like, it's, I did a podcast on, or I'm kind of like in and out doing one, like a little series on, um, 
the fruits of the spirit, like love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, cool. But I'm tying that into um, we are a participation. Like every individual is a participation in mm. the very being of God. And so I, 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 tie, I do like an episode on the fruit. So like I did an episode on like, um, you know, like love, like and it's kind of it, it's kind of kind of like mantra that I can pray to when I'm praying, you know, of like, I am a participation in the, the divine love of God, or I am a participation in love, you know? And it's like, I am a participation in like peace. And so when I put it in that perspective, it's like, maybe it's just, it, it resonates with the, when the, with the four in me of like, uh, love and peace and patience isn't something that I have to strive for it's already and there. fight for. It's already there. Like I'm already united with it. I'm yeah. ar- it's, it's already in my very being. I just have to awaken to it and, and allow it, you know? And I think that's the, the gist of life <laughs> for a four at least is like allowing and yeah. awakening, yeah. you know, to everything you already are. Well, and inviting others to do that, you know, which again, I think, in our own ways on this podcast and, and your Instagram and your podcast, uh, really getting people in touch with that, um, that divine, piece of themselves. yeah, piece of themselves, the interplay. I mean, um, there are these great quotes from Thomas Merton on your page. Ugh. And I'm just like, he's, he's, a, he's another four. Like when I started reading him, like yeah. I was literally laughing out loud. Yeah. Like when I read his book, um, New Seeds of Contemplation, oh. like every, every page I was yeah. laughing out loud. Yeah. I, was, I was like, <laughs> I've always felt this. Like yeah. I've always known this. Like, he's, he's a and like that's a book where like it was written in like 1965 or something. Yeah. And I'm like, how have I never heard of this? Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's like some sort of a giant corporate type of a type of Christianity that's aggressively trying to keep these things hidden or something. Like, I think there's a, there's yeah, a, there's a, there's a, there's um, a author I love, uh, Kendra Creasy Dean who writes about youth ministry and she had this chapter that she titled it McFaith. So it's like yeah. the McDonald's version of faith. And and yeah. there's something about like a certain type of Christian group or organization that has, that sees that there's sort of this, there, there's sort of this uh, group of people who would like to go to a theme park, you know, they like going to Disneyland and they like that. And so they, they, I just remember people telling me, especially growing up in sort of like young life circles, that they're trying to simplify it. Like, you don't, you don't need to think about all that complicated stuff. It's just this. It's this easy. And it's just, and you can come and have fun. And church can be just like anything. You can, they can have a coffee shop here and it can look really glitzy and fun and, and just come it's and so participate boring. and buy our, I know. So and I was like, boring. and they're just so, they're like nothing to see behind the curtain. It's just like, just part. And I'm just like, yeah, then you start to You're discover. Like, Here's one of the quotes or the things you posted. Uh, We can never fully know him if we think of him as an object of capture to be fenced in by the enclosure of our own ideas. Mm. We know him better after our minds have let him go. Yeah. The Lord travels in all directions at once. The Lord arrives from all directions at once. Wherever we are, we find that he has just departed. Wherever we go, we discover that he has just arrived. <laughs> What's that? Quote? So good. Uh, <laughs> also, we don't just, quite you just know. Just have what to like means. sit in that. Like, yeah. you can't even say. It's like let me that. just sit in that for yeah. a second. Yeah, man. What were you gonna say? I was gonna, it makes me think of that. I think it was Dan Allender who said this: of like God is always there when you arrive. Like, yeah, God's always waiting for when you arrive. Which is, like, it's so good. Interesting. <laughs> well, should we 
call it a, I a feel conversation. Like we could call this a conversation. I feel like we have a, a friendship now. We'd love to like this is the yes. start of something. It's yeah, really been really fun, fun connecting with you. Every that, week. This every <laughs> week. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. No, honestly. I mean, that's what we do. We haven't we started this two and a half years ago and we haven't missed a single week. Uh, just because I think I think it's it, it it's energizing to do the podcast because I think it, we found the space with like minded people which is us first and foremost, but like then finding others like you, you know, when we first started the podcast, uh, the, the, the episodes just naturally ran two hours. It wasn't even something we had planned and people were trying to tell us, you got to cut it down to 30 minutes. And we're like, well, we wouldn't be interested in that. Like that wouldn't be fun for us. That's like the McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like what we're we're trying to do is slow it down. Cookie cutter. Yeah. Yeah. Let's be curious. And so now, now it's two and a half years later and we've, we're like, yeah, we're always going to do two and a half hour long podcasts. And I think people who are listeners would be pissed at us if yeah. we didn't. But it's so fun <laughs> to find people like you who are just, it's Here natural. It. Like, of course we're going to talk. Yeah. That long. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I feel the same way. And like mine are naturally short, but it's not, it's because I don't, I don't have anybody on, you know, if yeah. I'm not doing a, an interview, like I'm just, it's kind of more, it's like, it's like a, uh, yeah, it's just like musings and like meditations. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Let's, you know, let's take a break from our busy lives. Let's focus on this aspect. All right, here you go. Sit in it. See you later. Bye. Peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just, so I'll just say, uh, follow Zach, uh, uh, Enneagram four confessions on Instagram and the podcast is called Enneagram four confessions, five star rating reviews on <laughs> iTunes. Dang, we have four and a half. Okay. Wait, can I get a picture? Oh yeah. Sure. I got to get extra faces. Yay. That's good. Uh, Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm going to turn the record button off and then we'll say goodbye to Zach a little bit more, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody.